Okay, so in the news, what is it? It's COVID-19. And what is it today on the deep end? It's episode 19. Coincidence? I don't think so. We are here to help you. We are here to give you hope and strategy on how to make it through COVID-19 crisis. Welcome to the deep end. Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Here you are live on Facebook or live on YouTube, wherever you are, or maybe afterwards you are listening or watching. I'm so glad that you are. My name is Tim. This is The Deep End. This is where we talk about scripture, culture, and how the two connect. So welcome in to all of our YouTube audience, and I would ask always that you would subscribe and like. First, like the video, and then subscribe to YouTube.com slash The Deep End TV. YouTube.com slash The Deep End TV. That's where we want you to go. Um, FM 99.5 in Woonsocket. Hello, everybody. Spotify audience. Hello, everybody. WEZE in Boston. Hello, everybody. And if you are listening to this, and we have survived the COVID-19 crisis, uh, and it's like a year later, or whenever you're listening to this, just know that we recorded it right in the middle of it. In fact, we recorded it in day two of the siege. And welcome... To the Deep End Studio, good friend, Dan Rayberg. Thanks, happy to be here. Glad that you are here, Dan. And you're going to be with me for the news segment of the Deep End tonight. And you're going to help us by giving us some practical financial advice yep. and some practical financial tips on how to survive. So a lot of fear out there, a lot of craziness. And, who, and why? Because you're stuck inside doing what? Checking your news feeds, checking social media, checking... Uh, what the 24-hour news networks are telling you, well, guess what we have for you here to give you some peace. Okay, this is why you come to the Deep End, because we have Deep End News. Deep End News. The news you choose if you could choose news. All right, Dan. Um, obviously, people know uh, there's a huge crisis that's going on. Um, people aren't ready for the full ramifications of what's about to transpire it's going to get worse. People don't realize it. The world is talking about it. Of course, I'm referring to the fact that Tom Brady has announced he's leaving the New England Patriots. It is officially time to panic. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, friends. The world is ending. What do you do? What do you do? You burn the bridges, leave it, it's over. Jared Stidham? Yeah. The Stidham know. era begins? I don't want to think about it yet. I can't. I'm not... I can't. I can't talk about it. <laughs> it's chaos, and it's time to panic. It's time to panic. <laughs> it's time. On St. Patrick's Day of all times, he announces he's leaving Boston. You can't even go to the bar in Boston. It's closed. What do you do? You know, I know. You can't even go drink yourself <laughs> into a stupor. You know what? This is this a dagger. This yeah. is a dagger to the heart. You know? <laughs> Man, it just happened so quickly. Where did those 20 years go? Where did they go? When, I, when, when he led us to a... Us, I always say us. When he led them to uh, their first world championship, my daughter was nine months old, and now, oh no, she was like five months old, and now she's on her way to college. Wow. Amazing. Anyway, Tom, thank you. Tom, oh, man. it was awesome. Bye-bye. Good luck. You're the greatest ever. We love you, yep. but time to move on. Okay, now, serious, let's move on to the real deep end news. We want to help you during the... COVID-19 coronavirus crisis, and Waters Church is here to help, and I want to just unpack some things, and then we'll get to some points with Dan for a moment. We've got three priorities as a church for you, three priorities. Now, two of them are obvious, one of them not so much, but it's important. 
Three priorities are we want to minister to you, number one. We want to inform you, number two. And then we want to give you some fun. <laughs> and that's not a joke. We really do. We're going to minister to you because we're the church. We're going to inform you because there are so many polarizing news networks and news sources out there that it is literally hard to watch. It's hard. I don't know if you get that feeling, Dan. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's really discouraging to me. We have become victims of our own devices in this country because we have so polarized ourselves. We have so demonized each other that now it's like two children pointing at each other in the midst of crisis. And crisis should bring us together, not bring out our lesser demons. Yeah, I think that's so, you know, the world right now has got you locked in your house. And the only thing you can do is listen to social media, listen to the hysteria, or listen to the media. You know, and that's why I think this is so important um, to give some people some hope. Let's hear about what the word of God says. Let's hear about the truth about what's going on. I bet you they didn't tell you the market was up today, did they? Yeah, no, no, no. That's right. It's just bad news, bad news. Everything that could go wrong is going to go wrong. Uh, Millions of jobs are going to be lost. Uh, People, should we uh, run to the bank and take out our money? All these things that you keep hearing, stop. Stop it. I'm asking you pastorally here to chill out, okay, in Jesus' name. So come back to this uh, source for information, okay? I, I, I really, I, I'm a news buff. I love the news. And so I'm talking to myself here, of course, but I'm also a Bible scholar. And I think, I think that what helps, nothing helps you in, um, interpret the news better than knowing God's word. Yeah. And so that's why we want you to come to us. Well, that's why I want to offer you things like this. So we're going to Minister to you, we're going to, <clears throat> we're going to inform you, and then we're going to do some fun. So this brings me to, let's put this slide back up full screen. Waterschurch.tv is the central hub of our church going forward since we cannot meet in the building. Waterschurch.tv has become the de facto digital building for our church. All campuses, Norwood, North Attleboro, Fall River, uh, Woonsocket, Florida, the future campuses, Guatemala. Go there. Why do you want to go there regularly? Because we are going to have some fun things as well as information and help. Um, we want to actually <laughs> entertain you a little bit. We've got some cool um, videos that are on the horizon with our staff. Uh, Minnesota Mike, our producer today, he's going to help me out with a cool video uh, spoof. We've got a couple of other spoofs on cultural memes that we're going to be doing here in the studio around our building in this facility. And if you go to Waters Church and you want to help out, let us know in the comments below that you have time. I'm sure some of you do have time. Come on in and help us. But anyway... It's going to be fun. We want to, we, I think levity is important in the times of crisis. I think, mm-hmm. you know, laughter is good medicine. It's very important to laugh and take your mind off of things that are um, just uh, overwhelming you. So we want to do that. We want to participate in that with you. This would be a great time to subscribe at youtube.com slash waterschurchmedia and youtube.com slash TV. Please subscribe to both of those channels. Even if you're watching on one, go to the other right now in a new window on your device or whatever and subscribe to the other. Please do. Because then you will get, oh, and click the notification bell because then you'll get updates right to your phone or to your watch or to your device that we are live. Okay, Dan, let's get into um, helping you. Uh, And helping you means giving you some tools. Uh, Practical advice, this is why we brought you in. Practical advice, five things people can do right now uh, regarding money, because if they don't have money at the end of this crisis, they're really in 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 a crisis. And there's a way to get through it. We just have to do, we got to get the, the right order in mind. So, yeah, go. you know, I would say, first off, we are not uh, making less of the situation. We understand people are going through tougher times. All of us 
uh, are dealing with something that's different, whether it's working from home, kids schooling closed, child daycare closed. But anytime there's chaos like this, I think it's very important to mm -hmm. take a step back and actually look at your situation. You know, is your job or your income actually in jeopardy? Mm -hmm. Now, for some of us, it might be. But a lot of us, you know, if we take a look back, if you're really just worried that the numbers in your 401k look a little bit lower, just take a deep breath. Yes. Okay. Just take a deep breath. Everything's going to be okay. You know, I look back at 2008, you know, Y2K, all these world catastrophes, the media has predicted the end of the world for a long time. And they have a pretty bad, bad track record because yeah. they're still here. They're over. Yeah, they're yeah. over. They got a bad batting. They're like the there. Cleveland Browns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just take a deep breath and, you know, listen, God's here. God is still on the throne and we're, we're not losing control. You know, he's still on the, he's still in control. Speaking of 2008, I remember hearing about Warren Buffett. They asked him after the 2008 crisis, how much money did you lose? He said, I lost nothing because I sold nothing. Right. So. I'm not looking at my 401k. I'm not looking at, you know, my stocks and bonds. I'm just saying it's going to come back. It always does. I was pastoring and preaching during 2008. Okay, so yeah. I remember that. Not yeah. only was I involved in that, not, I dealt with the fallout in spiritual lives of people as they almost fell apart during that, and we got through it. It was no problem. And I remember telling the church, we're going to get through it again. I've been through several recessions as a child, as, a, as, a, as an adult, and as a teenager. In fact, during the 1991 George Bush recession. I remember that big one. They called it the George Bush recession. It was just, you know, a recession. The, the economy always does this, uh, whether it's by crisis or by other things. It flushes itself out. It gets fat and bloated, then it flushes itself out, and then it's lean and mean, and then it grows again. Right. So this, this, this crisis is like a national... Remember the 24-hour flu? It's like the national 24-hour flu. We are literally vomiting up all these gains. We're going to get lean and mean. We're going to recover. We're going to be healthy again. So going forward, though... Uh, oh, and by the way, at waterschurch.tv, you'll see there's three key links for us to help minister. Uh, if you need help, there's a, there's a link. Number two, if you can offer help, if you can babysit or if you can help, there's a link. And then number three, if you just need to talk to somebody, you can call our church at 508-695-1300. It would direct, redirect to one of our spiritual leaders at the church. And if you need to cry, moan, weep, ask questions, pray, whatever it is, call the number, 508-695-1300. But anyway, let's get back to the practical. What do you say? You know, so if you are somebody who is whose industry or income has been impacted, and you know, I see this. My my sister's a hairdresser. There's people that are in the restaurant business who, um, you know, their income they can't work. You know, so if you are in that, you're in the middle of a storm, right? So what do we do in the middle of a storm? What would we recommend to people? We call it the four walls of your budget, the big four. All right, so we want to make sure we handle food. Utilities, which are the necessary utilities, shelter, and transportation. Yeah, we can put it on the screen there. That's right. The four, you call the walls. Yeah, the four walls. The, the, the most important parts of you getting through the storm. Because like I said, every storm, this too shall pass. But if you're going through it now, what do I focus on right now? And the reason we do that, pay those first and do those first, is we want to make sure, listen, you're not paying your Home Depot bill before you pay food for your children, right? So we want to make sure we prioritize what is most important, you know? So we'd recommend pay, pay minimums on all your debt. Don't stop doing anything yeah, extra. don't pay extra on your debt. Don't do anything extra outside of your budget. Uh, you know, I would even recommend temporarily, if you are in the middle of the storm, once again, I'm talking to the people that are in the middle of a financial storm right now, temporarily stop investing for retirement and use those funds 
to store up as much, much cash as we can to get through this storm. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. And, I, and I would say to those of you who have regular income unaffected and you rely on people who have uh, gig income, such as hairdressing, such as cleaning houses, such as whatever it is, please consider paying them anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm doing this. I think it would be very Christian of us to do this. Even if they don't do the job, pay them anyway. That's the church being the church, and that helps your brothers and sisters continue to survive. And even if they aren't your brothers and sisters, it's just a good example as the salt of the earth and the light of the world, if Absolutely. you can do it. Yeah, people need some hope right now, and we can be that. Don't let panic can make you force you into rash decisions. And when I say that, I mean I said to stop adding more contributions to their retirement if you're in a storm. That does not mean pull out of no. the funds out of your retirement. No, don't do that. No. You know, where you could lose 25, you know, 10% just in fees and then, th- you know, 35, 40% total, right? We're not going to do that. The only time you would even consider that facing bankruptcy or foreclosure, but, you know, that shouldn't be happening in the next couple of weeks. We're just trying to get through the storm. Dial things back. We need to stop paying extra on other things and we need to cut things out of our budget. It's a great time. You're stuck at home anyways. Let's start looking at what are the needs versus wants of your budget. Yes. You know, you know, so we talked about utilities. You know, is it time to maybe cut cable? Is it time to, does everybody, all five children in the household need a cell phone? Gym memberships, Starbucks, non-essentials. You are in the middle of a storm and you got to view it like that. You wouldn't go and put on a roof in the middle of a hurricane, right? You right. batten down the windows, you hold on for dear life. So you, you store up as much cash as you can and decide what are my needs and what are my wants and try to hold on to as much, you know, and also look at bringing in more income. You know, can you work, uh, you know, a side job? Can you sell something? You got too much stuff anyways, you know, start getting rid of anything, anything we can do to get you just through this storm. I know it feels like this is forever. I promise this too shall pass in a couple months. You're going to look back and this will just be a distant memory, but let's just get you through it. Yeah. And don't take your money out of the bank. Yeah. Your savings account. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't do that. There's no run in the banks anymore. FDIC insurance, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Keeps your money safe. I, I got to put um, my mom on blast there. Should I get, <laughs> that's partially why we're here tonight. Yeah. My mom texted me and said, should I take all the money out of the bank and basically put it in a jar in the backyard? No, Mumsy. Calm down. <laughs> Mumsy. You call her Mumsy. Yeah, she's Hi, just, Mumsy. Yeah, she just got to relax. But uh, listen, when you're sitting there, I said, what, what are you talking about? She goes, that's what they're saying to do on the news. I said, stop listening to the news. Yes, stop listening to the news. But Come to the deep end. Yeah, when you're stuck in the house and that's all you can hear, it's tough to lose you know, the God's perspective of the, the, how temporary this really will be. Needs versus wants, write them down. This is, you know, we were talking about this literally on our stage at church a couple of weeks ago. Wow, what a difference a month can make because wow. now people really have to do it. And so, like I said, lean and mean. This is a great chance for you to get lean and mean financially. And then lastly, be someone else's help. Yeah, I love that. You know, their fear and hope are just as contagious as the coronavirus. And if you are around fear and all you're doing is adding to the fear on social media, that's all you're good. doing is listening to fear right. and, and, and listening to the fear in the media, that's going to cause you to be in fear. If you are around people of hope and you are bringing hope to people, they will in, in turn bring up hope, you know? So people are hurting right now, man. There is people that are lost, that do not know the Lord, that are looking at life as they're losing perspective. What is this even all worth? Is this going to end? What a great time to be the, the light of the earth right now, to mm-hmm. be a Christian that's willing to pray for somebody, you know, stay around your small group. Christians need uplifting and non-Christians need it. 
Yeah, and pay those gig workers and be a generous person if you are able to. Uh, this is what makes the church powerful is it is really a family. We are brothers and sisters. In fact, the Roman pagans used to call the Christians in the first century um, incestuous because they would call themselves brothers and sisters, and then they would marry each other. So they thought, here, you're calling her sister, and you're getting married. No, she's my sister in Christ. We are the family of God. We have each other's back. That's why at waterschurch.tv, you can go there if you need help and let us know now. You can call somebody now. Do not go through this alone. Do not let this get into your spirit. You are the child of, you are a child of the most high God. And you have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to show the world what it looks like to belong to the family of God. Yeah. And one, yeah one touch point, uh, last touch point I would make on this is in three to six months, I, you know, this is going to be over. a distant memory. Yep. But use this as a learning experience. If you don't learn from this, then I promise, then, you know, there's no wisdom that will come from it. This is why it's so important to have an emergency fund, to have a three to six That's month good, save. Yeah. That's why it's important to make savings a priority because guess what? It's going to rain. You need an umbrella because it's going to rain. And that's why it's important to go to financial peace. Yeah. Our yeah. church, Water Church offers it. It's offered when? Yeah. Again? So we're going to actually, we're, we're finishing up a class now once uh, Corona gets out of the way. And the next one is going to be April 19th, Sunday mornings from 915 to 1045. So you'll have the child care that's provided with service. You can go to 1130 right after. So it makes for a great uh, Sunday morning. Uh, it'll be nine straight Sundays from, from 9.15 to 10.45 at Waters Church North Alabama. Tentatively, depending on how long this takes. But Correct. we're going to get that course going for you as soon as possible yeah. when, when um, you know, the, the advisement of not gathering in groups is over. Correct. Right. Yeah. So that's our plan. Keep, again, checking in at waterschurch.tv. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube and uh, Facebook. Like, you know, get those notifications straight to your device. If we want to do this together and we can't come to the building and we can't hear announcements and we can't, you know, physically be around each other, we can digitally be connected through these wonderful tools of modern technology. So that's my advice to you as well. Um, and here's my pastoral advice to you now, and that is do not panic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, here's the thing about panic. Panic is historically bad for nations and communities and individuals. Has anything ever good happened to you when you panicked? No. Uh, the dictionary definition of the word panic is this. Sudden, uncontrollable fear or anxiety, often causing wildly unthinking behavior. That is what panic is. If you panic, you aren't thinking. And you must think rationally and calmly. Um, I, I was, I was gonna, I'm going to share a word this weekend at Waters Church from the stage in front of an empty auditorium. Looking forward to it. On panic. And the Lord's showing me how many of the battles Israel won, they were outnumbered, they were smaller, they were less militarily equipped, they didn't have the technological advanced weaponry of their enemies, and battle after battle after battle, they won. Mm. Why? Time and time and time again, it was simply because they trusted the Lord, listened to his word, trusted the Lord, and did not panic. And the opponents panicked. The Egyptians panicked. The Philistines panicked. They started turning their swords on each other. The Midianites panicked. The Amalekites panicked. And God does this on a regular basis. He throws the nations up into this opportunity to either panic or live in the peace that Christ provides. 
And this is our generation's chance. This is our season to do that. You, by not panicking, Christian, are showing non-Christians what it means to have the peace of the Lord inside of you. Yeah, be strong and courageous. We don't have a God of fear. You know, we have the Almighty God who sits on the throne, who will not leave or forsake you. Walk around with that hope and that truth in your heart. Amen. Amen. Oh, I love it. So, uh, transitioning now into the content of the book of Acts for the deep end, and uh, we're going to say goodbye to the end in just a moment, but um, Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And uh, right now, if you keep that anxiety going in, and, and listen, I know how you're, you're going to keep giving yourself anxiety the more that you go to CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, those channels, uh, the more that you um, get on social media and talk this out with people who are not Christians or maybe are Christians but are not living like Christians, uh, and you get more and more information, and it's just anxiety, 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 you're going to pay the price. It's going to weigh your heart down. Uh, we are here uh, for you at waterschurch.tv, here on the deep end, ready to give you that good word that's going to make you glad. So, Dan, thank you for those practical things. Thank you for being here. Uh, I appreciate you so much. All the work that you do, helping people with their finances. You got it. Yeah, time to uh, you know follow what the authorities are saying, um, but have some hope. This too shall pass. Amen. Thank you so much, Dan. And now we're going to head into a commercial break and then the Book of Acts. The Deep End with Tim Hatch is made possible by contributions from listeners and viewers like you. If you would like to partner with us to support this ministry, you can go to thedeepend.tv forward slash partner or on the cash app with cash tag thedeependtv. All right, back to the book of Acts. It's been a long time. It's been three weeks. It's been too long. Oh, I don't like missing doing the deep end. But uh, you had the money management uh, week, and then we had first Wednesday, uh, first Tuesday at our church. Last time we were here, uh, oh, by the way, first, the power of the gospel is the title of the message. The power of the gospel is the title of this episode. And the subtitle is The Church's Message to a Frightened World. The, the church's message to a, the frightened world, a frightened world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Acts chapter 10, we're going to get all the way into Acts chapter 11 today. This is what brings us peace, God's word, right? This is what brings us through God's word. In fact, this book should come alive to you. I have a Bible. I'm holding it up for those of you who are listening. This book comes alive. Do you know when, it's, comes, do you know when this book comes alive? It comes alive when you suffer. And do you know why? Because this book was the central character, the central uh, subject of this book was the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. Isaiah calls him God's suffering servant. And the central theme is the suffering servant suffered for you. And you might suffer too, but you've got an advocate in heaven with you. you are you reading this during this crisis? Are you reading this through in this season? Because it's going to come alive to you like never before. This book was written to sufferers. It was written to sufferers. You know when you ignore this book? When everything's going well. You know when you pay attention to this book? When everything stinks. And this is the time to get into the Bible. So we're going to get into the Bible. Amen? We're going to get into the Bible in Acts chapter 10. Let us know in the comments where you're watching from. I always like to find that out. Let's get into a recap, though. Acts chapter 10. You remember Peter was going throughout the nation. He was healing. He was raising the dead. And then he has this vision as he's in the city called Joppa. And this was verse 9 to 13. And I want to backtrack for a moment because it picks up on where we're going into Acts 10 and 11. It says that he was on the journey and he went up to the house. I mean, they were coming to get him from Cornelius' house and he went up on the housetop 
at the sixth hour to pray. That's noontime. Verse 10 says, he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat because all men get extraordinarily hungry uh, at noontime. So he's hungry. This is very important. And they were preparing it. They were getting the food ready, but evidently it wasn't ready enough because guess what happened to Peter? He fell into a trance. <laughs> Maybe this was part physical, part spiritual, whatever it is. I think it's a combination of both. And as he's hungry, God gives him this vision with these animals in a sheet, and, he, and God says, rise, kill, and eat. Now think about the word eat when somebody says you're hungry. But he's given a vision of all these animals he should not eat as a Jew. The, the Jews said they were clean animals, they were unclean animals. So all these unclean animals are in the sheet, and God says, you're hungry, eat. And, and Peter says, no, I can't. I can't do that. That's, those are unclean. And God says, don't call what is clean, what I have made clean, unclean. And at the very moment that he's having this experience with the sheet and the unclean animals, Cornelius, this Roman centurion, this Gentile, has sent a, uh, amb uh, ambassadors to come and get Peter and bring him to his house to hear the gospel. And this is the moment that starts to open the door for Peter, the leader of the apostles, to bring the gospel to people who are not Jewish. And I thought about the timing of this vision for Peter. It happens when he's hungry, and God almost does something really, not, not almost, God does something really cool. He ties the hunger of Peter for the unclean animals to what Peter should have in terms of his hunger to bring the gospel to the nations. In other words, God was saying, I want you to be hungry to bring people to me. I want you to be hungry to bring people into the faith. So that's what happens. He shows up at Cornelius' house, and basically he starts speaking, and something powerful really starts to happen. So let's get into it. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter in Cornelius' house. Let's look at the text. Verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is a profound statement that Peter's about to make. He is Jewish. He's in the home of a Gentile. He is breaking every single cultural rule that he can break. He is eating with Gentiles as a Jew. This is unheard of. This is uh, beyond the pale. This is out of bounds. And yet, he can't deny, God has worked on him through the vision in Joppa to come to Cornelius' house, and God has worked on Cornelius to reach out to Peter and bring him into his house to hear the message of the gospel. Remember, Cornelius ended, we ended with Cornelius saying, we're all now here in the presence of God to hear what you have to say. And Peter says, this is a God thing. I can't deny God is at work here. So what does Peter do? He says, well, let me just tell you, evidently, God accepts anyone who fears him and does what is right. And the idiom here in the word in the word structure of verse 34, when he says God shows no partiality, literally it's translated, God is not one who receives men's faces. God is not one who receives men's faces. That's how it is in the original translation. Now we don't translate it that way because it doesn't make any sense to us. But it was an idiom. It was a it was a way of it was a figure of speech. And it basically meant that when you receive someone's face, you are showing partiality or you're making a judgment on them based on what they look like. So, look, Christians are big into this. They've been big into this in a long time. Actually, in our world today, people are big into this. We judge people by what we see on the outside. We judge people by what they look like. God does not do that. 
God does not judge you based on what you look like. Hey, this is really great news for the people who are listening to me right now who don't look like a Christian, or you don't look like a churchgoer, or you don't look like you've got your act together. And you might say to yourself, look at my life. Surely God doesn't love me. Surely God can't use me. Surely God doesn't want anything to do with me. Because you look at your life. You receive your faith. You even, you're the worst judge of yourself, even worse than anybody else around you. And because of that, you've allowed this self-image to make you feel unworthy of God's love. Can I tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. God is not one who looks at you from the outside and then makes a judgment call on you. He is not going to judge you by what you are or what you have or what you've done now. He can change you. He can transform you. He can, he can use you. He is not like people. And I love that about God. Let's move on. So Peter starts preaching. And in verse 36, he says, As for the word he sent to Israel, preaching good news, and I love this, good news of what? Of peace. And this is our message. We preach the church's job is to preach good news of peace. Man, do we need peace right now. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, the main content of Peter's talk is what? Is Jesus. The main content of the Bible is Jesus. The main topic of this book, okay, this book gets a lot of flack. This, gets, this book gets demonized and heralded and adored and hated and attacked and defended. But the main content of this book is not laws, not rules, not regulations. The main content is Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation is about him. And so when Peter decides to preach, guess who he talks about? He talks about Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He brings us peace, peace with God. Because guess what? Uh, we, ultimately, if we have peace with God, there's no need to fear or have anxiety over anything else because he is, what Peter says here, Lord of all. If you've got your heart, Rooted in Christ, coronavirus can do nothing to you. You understand that? You say, it could kill me. Yeah, it could kill you. And then you're at home with Jesus forever. Do I want that for you? Not right now, eventually. <laughs> but at the same point, do we have faith? Like, this is what's wonderful about this global climate uh, crisis, right? This global crisis. Right now, the church can stand up and say, we will help. Do you understand that it was the plagues of the second and third century in Rome that caused Christians to, um, to validate their faith through their works as they served the pagans who had been tossed into the streets to die. The Christians came along and picked up their pag the pagans who were not their loved ones, brought them into their homes, cared for them, loved them, nursed them, even to death even dying with them because Jesus had told Christians, go and do to the least of these and you will do it unto me. And they did it. They took it seriously. And the whole Roman Empire was turned around and Christianity became validated throughout the world because Christians held up in times of crisis with hearts of peace and gave and served. 
Christians, this has an opportunity to be our finest hour in loving our neighbor and showing the world that there's nothing to worry about when you have the king of the world holding you in the palm of his hand. Okay, you, you gotta get this into your spirit. What are these scriptures for? What are these scriptures for? Do not worry. Some of you are thinking that do not worry means do not worry about losing your job. Well, yeah, but it's also do not worry about anything. Do not worry about your life, what you will wear, Jesus says, what you will eat. The pagans, Jesus says, run after all these things. But you are children of your heavenly Father, and this crisis is your moment to shine with peace in your heart, comfort in your spirit, because God is with you, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Amen. Let's move on. Verse 39. Peter's still speaking. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people. This is the verse I want to press in on here. Not to all the people. God made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Okay, interesting little phrase there, right? Not to all the people. Why didn't God show Jesus to all the people? Do you know why? Because they would have rejected it anyway. They would have rejected it anyway. See, Jesus makes it very clear about, some, uh, about the Word of God. You get further revelation in the Word of God when you receive and live and believe the revelation you have from God. Let me say that again. You get further and deeper revelation from God in the things of God when you receive the revelation you've already been given in God. When you hear the word of God, you make a choice. You're going to believe it or you're going to reject it. You're going to receive it and you're going to, or you're going to reject it. There was a moment in the disciples following Jesus, Matthew chapter 13, when they asked him an important question. Matthew 13, verse 10, it says this. The disciples came to him and said to him, why do you speak in parables? You make things so confusing. You make things so confusing with these stories. Jesus. Why do you do that? And here's what he says. He answered them, verse 11, Matthew 13. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Same language as in Acts chapter 10 here. He didn't appear to everyone. He appeared to us. So to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but not to everyone. It has not been given to them. Why? Verse 12 tells us this. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Okay, this is not a economic passage. Okay, this is not a the rich get richer passage. This is about the revelation that you receive from the teaching and the word of God. So to the one who has revelation, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Listen to what Jesus is saying in this passage. He is saying, you receive the word of God and you have a choice. You make a determination. Am I going to believe it or am I going to reject it? Am I going to press in and say, this is God's word, I trust it, it has authority over my life, it has the ability to tell me what to do and what not to do, it is right, regardless of what I hear on the talk shows on television, regardless of what I hear from my atheist neighbor, regardless of what I hear from the agnostics, regardless of what I hear from the scientists, regardless of what I hear from everybody else, I take this word to be from God. And if you receive it that way, guess what happens? You get more, you get more revelation. You get deeper revelation. You understand more. This is, what the, this is what differentiated the disciples from everybody else. When, when, when they walked with Jesus, 
They received it. Now, listen, this is so important. I hope you really pay attention here. There is a huge difference (laughs) between receiving God's word and understanding it. See, some of you are under the false impression that you, in order to receive God's word as truth, you have to understand everything about it. That's not true. In fact, the disciples themselves, most of the time, if you read the Gospels, most of the time, they had no stinking clue what Jesus was talking about. But what did they do? They trusted him. Many times, Peter would answer Jesus' question, and Jesus would be like, oi, vey, this guy, he never understands, right? Many times, the disciples would say the exact opposite of what Jesus asked them to say. They didn't understand what he was saying. Guess what they did? They trusted what he was saying. This is what disciples do. They listen and they receive even when they do not understand. Maybe in this crisis, you don't understand why God is letting this happen. Can I ask you, are you trusting him? Are you trusting his word? Are you putting your faith in the word of God? Or are you giving yourself over to fear, anxiety, worry, and consternation like the rest of the world? You say, I want to know. Well, sometimes we just don't know. Here's the point that I want to make. Life is going to give you Life is going to give you endless opportunities to doubt or reject God's word. Discipleship involves trusting God when you don't understand him. That's what faith is, by the way. Faith is not based on facts always. It is based on trust. It is based on belief. Now, you do this even if you're not a Christian, you do this, you practice this principle of trusting when you don't understand something with countless other things. What Jesus says is do that with God's word. Let me me give you an example. I have no idea how cars work. There's a lot of guys out there that like to tinker, they like to make their the oil changes, they like to do this, they like to change the brake pads. I I mean, I I was talking to a guy, he can change his own brake pad. I'm like, you are my hero. Come and change mine, right? (laughs) I have no idea how they work. Guess what? I still trust them. I don't know how an engine works. I don't know how an oven works. I don't know how my dishwasher works. I trust it. Okay? I don't know how, this is a man, I don't know how my voice is traveling through this thing, down this wire, into your ears right now. I have no idea how it works. I still trust it. See, what I'm saying is we do this with countless other things. Jesus asks us to do that with him. You don't have to understand everything to believe in him. That's what faith is. That's what you need in this time of crisis. Right now in coronavirus, 2020, March 2020, you need to trust him. Even when you don't understand why. Even when you don't understand how come. Even when you don't understand if it's never going ha- uh, to happen again. That's irrelevant, friend. Discipleship. You want to get, get more of God? You want to get more of his revelation? Take him at his word. Some of you need to take him at his word financially. You need to start tithing. You need to start giving. Some of you need to take him at his word with forgiveness. You need to start forgiving even when you don't feel like forgiving, even when you don't understand why you should forgive. Some of you need to take him at his word um, with regards to your parenting or regards to your sex life. You need to trust him to be pure and to date Christians only and to marry only a Christian. That's called trusting him. Will it always guarantee you a perpetual happy life? No but it will lead you more often than not in the path of righteousness, health, and peace over the long term. Discipleship trusts when we don't understand. Anyway, back to Peter's speech, verse 42. 
And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, Peter gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus is the judge. That is true for you, Christian. He is your judge. Second, if you believe in him, you receive the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is what's happened. This is what happens. When you, for, when you believe in Christ, he is no longer the judge of your sin. He took the judgment of your sin at the cross. But now he's the judge of your life. He is, you are going to stand before him. You're going to give an account before him. But he is not just your judge. He is your advocate, your, your, your lawyer. Another word for advocate. He, he is your lawyer. And he takes your side and he fights your cause and he helps you walk in newness of life. Now watch this. This is so cool. This is my favorite part of the moment. We're in Cornelius' house. The Gentiles are listening to, G, to, to Peter the Jew preaching about Jesus. Here's what happens. Verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. The, the circumcised is another word for Jews. The believers, the, the Jewish believers who had come with Peter were amazed because of the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. I love this moment. Peter doesn't give an altar call. The Holy Spirit just falls. The Holy Spirit just comes upon them as the word is preached. And this, friends, is why our church is radically devoted to preaching the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our message. That's why this this episode is called The Power of the Gospel, okay? It is our message to a frightened world that Jesus Christ, God's suffering servant, took the pain of sin upon himself, buried our sins in the ground, and rose triumphantly on the third day and lives evermore at the right-hand side of God the Father for us, championing, championing our lives forward. When Peter preaches the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins, something happens in their hearts. Notice that. While he's speaking, something happens in their hearts. I can't explain it. It's like car engines to me. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. But when I open my mouth and I tell people, Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again on the third day. And if you believe in him and trust in him, you have forgiveness and a new life. Something happens in their hearts. It is a beautiful thing. I don't understand how it works, but it works. This is why Paul the Apostle says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We preach Christ. He, it, it, this message has an effect on the human heart. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is why you want to bring your friends to church. This is why you want to invite people right now on social media who can't come to our building. Invite them to waterschurch.tv. Invite them to this podcast. Invite them to our content this weekend at 9.30, 11.30, and 7 p.m. at waterschurch.tv. I will be preaching about anxiety right now in this time, in this age, fear, and, and what the Bible says about fear. Invite them. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Get them to tune in because guess what? They need to hear it right now, and we will preach Jesus, and they will be saved. You don't waste this crisis. Use it for the cause of Jesus. Verse 46, going on, they were amazed because they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Now, the issue is not tongues here. The issue is that the tongues sign is evidence that they are saved, Okay, I still believe in tongues. I speak in tongues. I want you to speak in tongues. And tongues is real, and it can happen. 
But that's not the main event here. The main event is Gentiles who are not Jews are getting saved, and God is bearing witness to this by giving them the Holy Spirit. And Peter looks at them, and, it looks at, and, and look what he says. Then Peter declared, verse 47, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? In other words, the Holy Spirit falling and them speaking in tongues testifies to Peter that they're really saved. They're not just warmed to the message. Verse 48, it says, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Okay, just one last thing I want to say about this. Baptism follows salvation. Baptism follows salvation. Baptism follows salvation. (laughs) Can I say it again? Baptism follows salvation. Are you saved? Great. Are you baptized? If not, why not? You should be. Get baptized. They got baptized as soon as they got saved. Were they perfect from that day forward? No. Not even Peter was perfect from that day forward. We are not perfect as Christians. We are saved as Christians. We are forgiven as Christians. And by definition, to be forgiven means you needed to be forgiven. So you made mistakes. So you sinned. And you will continue to sin until Jesus comes again. This is not the place for perfection. It's the place for forgiveness. Now, the Gentiles come to faith. Amazing. The gospel has opened up to an entire new people group the centurion, Cornelius, from the Italian regiment. The Italians are getting saved. God bless the Italians. Okay, what what does the church respond like? This is so sad. The church responds. Can I tell you the church has a terrible track record on responding to the gospel going forward? I I really hate to say this, but it's true. Right here in the book of Acts, we see it. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers were throughout uh, Judea, who were throughout Judea, heard that the Gentiles, non-Jews, had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the center, the hub of Christianity at that time, the circumcision party, again, the Jewish party, criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Oh, man, look at this. This is so sad. (laughs) They hear, just look at it on the screen for a second. They heard, first, They heard the Gentiles had received the word of God. Don't you think that they should be happy about that? But no, they're more upset that Peter ate with non-Jewish people than they are with non-Jewish people becoming Christians, becoming saved, hearing God's word and responding to it. This is a classic problem with the church. Instead of being more excited that people are coming to Christ Christians, and I'm talking about Christians here, Christians get more upset over how it's happening or what the church is doing that they don't like or how the pastor may have done a, made a decision that they don't totally agree with. First off, friend, is it producing Christians? Are people getting saved? And if that's the case, that is the headline. Right? They talk about burying the headline in, in, in newspaper articles. Um, burying the lead. Sorry. Burying the lead. When people get saved, that's the lead. I don't care how it happens. I don't care what techniques are used. I don't care what person is preaching. Getting people saved is what it's all about. And when we take our eyes off the ball, that's when the church becomes ridiculous and stupid. That's when it becomes uh, tired, boring, and lifeless. we got to keep our eyes on the ball here. Even through this crisis, keep our eyes on the ball here. Bring people to Christ. Don't waste this crisis. They're more upset about that than people getting saved. Anyway, verse 4. So Peter opens his mouth and he explains 
And I love Peter's graciousness here. He explains and he tells the whole story. I was in Joppa praying. I saw a vision. You know, you can read this yourself. He says, I look closely. Animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, birds of the air. I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. I said, no, Lord, nothing uncommon has ever entered my mouth. Going on, he says, the voice answered a second time. What God has made clean, don't call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again. Verse 11, behold, at that very moment, three men arrived. He tells the whole story, right? He's just basically recounting the story. Verse 12, the spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me. We entered the man's house. He told us how he'd seen the angel. Uh, on and on and on it goes. Uh, verse 14, and he would declare to you the message by which you will be saved and you and your all, all your household. And then verse 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just, to, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave, look at this fantastic phrase, verse 17. If then God gave them the same gift, that he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I could stand in God's way of people getting saved? Here's my admonition to you. Don't get in the way of God saving people. You say, well, how could I possibly do that? You can <laughs> The church has historically done this. You know how we do this as the church? We do this when we, when we make non-essentials essentials, and we make the essential thing the, not, the non-essential thing. The essential thing is the gospel. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is non-essential. The gospel is the first and primary message of the church. When we make uh, the style of the music essential, we have missed it. When we make the dress of the pastor, when we make the style of the building, when we make the way that the money is spent, when we make the, I, I don't know, any number of things. Uh, when we make um, things like church programs, <laughs> the main event. Like, for instance, here's an example. Well, people will come up to me. Well, I remember when we used to do this program, and I really loved it, and it was so wonderful. Yeah, but maybe the church. Maybe we sat down and we said, look, it's a nice thing, but it's not actually helping people connect to Jesus. They need Christ. Let's shelve that. Let's put that in our past. And sometimes people get more attached to the programs of the past in the church than the person and the purpose of Jesus Christ. You get nostalgic for how things used to be. I remember a couple of years ago in this church, uh, a lady wanted to do a pageant with the kids on the stage. And we used to do this every year. The kids would come up, sing a song. And what I would see was every week, the only people that would show up were the kids who were the grandparent, the parent, the grandparents, and the parents of the kids on stage. And then I would preach this, this message of salvation. But they were already already saved because they were from other churches. So nobody responded. And many of them didn't want to respond because they didn't even want to be there. They were there for the kid. So it didn't actually reach anybody. So I said, you know what? No more of that. It's too much work. It's too much effort. We're going to cut that children's pageant out. Do I have something against children's pageants? No. We wanted to refine the message to Jesus. Well, guess what? As soon as we cut that program out, that person was out of the church. Then they went to another church, and they did their program. They posted their pics on Facebook. I saw the whole thing, and then they left that church. And I don't even think they go to church anymore. What happened? They let the, the program trump the person of Jesus Christ. They let the past trump what God was doing in the present. And may that never be the case for your church, for my church, for the global church of Jesus. Going on with verse 18. When they heard this thing, when they heard these things, they fell silent. See, I love this because Peter says they got saved, guys. The Holy Spirit fell. 
People far from God came to know their Savior. And the, 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 the accusers who were about to attack Peter had nothing more to say. Nothing shuts the mouths of the religious skeptics faster than keeping people getting saved the focus of the church. I had this in my notes here. A vision to reach the lost silences skeptics and critics of a religious nature. We, we've got to keep that the main thing. And they glorified God, saying, to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Okay, now, moving on. Um, oh, I have this in my notes. The church is an organization bring, based on bringing people in, not keeping people out. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this now. So, this is, our, this is our mission. We are here to bring people in, not keep people out. They might look differently than us. They might, they might be different than us. That's okay. Let's bring them in. Let's get them into the building so that they hear about Jesus. Let's bring them into community. You know, we even have a saying around here in our staff and in our small group leaders. We like, we like to say, let them belong before they believe. Let them feel like they're part of the family before they're even in Christ. That way, they hear about him. And they see the church, and they got an up-close and personal experience. And, and over time, the Lord will work on their hearts. And we've seen that happen again and again and again in many people's lives. Moving on, verse 19. Uh, now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Notice Antioch here because this is going to be the key city pretty soon. Speaking the, word to God, speaking the word to no one except Jews, but there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, coming on to, uh, who on coming to Antioch spoke to Hellenists also preaching to the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Okay, this is an important passage. Um, the the, the, the uh, Hellenists in Antioch get saved. Antioch is the third largest city in the Roman Empire at this time. It's probably, probably between 500 and 800,000 people in population. It is only exceeded in the population and size by Rome and Alexandria. And Roran Rearsby, a great New Testament commentator, actually Bible commentator, writes that Antioch was one of the most immoral cities in the world. One of the most immoral cities in the world. Second only to Corinth. And yet this city is where brave Christians went and brought the gospel, and the gospel's power was unhindered by the immorality of Antioch. And I think about right on the heels of a Roman centurion gets saved, now you've got one of the most immoral cities in the world getting saved. It's amazing. Nothing stops the power of the gospel. That's why we've got to keep it number one. Verse 22. This report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he saw the grace of God. He was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Okay, love Barnabas. Once again, here he is, son of encouragement. He's just an encouraging guy, and he sees. I just want you to note that. He sees the grace of God. You should see the grace of God active in a community when Christ and the gospel is the priority. I feel like I should say this a little bit more intentionally. When you are witnessing or sharing your faith with other people, the priority has to be what Jesus Christ has done, not who you are and not what you believe. The priority, uh, and again, about, external, about uh, uh, secondary issues, the priority has to be about Jesus dying for our sins because that's a level playing field message, non-Christians and Christians alike. So 
he sees the grace of God active in this city because the gospel was the main event, and he encourages them, and uh, he's just doing what he does, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, Antioch, let me talk about this for a moment. I want to put up a couple of maps. Map time. Y'all love map time, right? This map here is a map of Jesus' geographical mission ministry during his three years. So what you have here is the land of Israel, and all the green on this map is where Jesus traveled by foot uh, throughout the land of Israel. Now, on the screen right now, it looks pretty big. Well, guess what? That region, that green area, is roughly the same size as New Jersey in the United States. So Jesus walked about roughly the size of New Jersey in the, uh, in the uh, first century, in the Mediterranean world. Now, let me give you some perspective. Here is a map of the Roman world, the Mediterranean world. <laughs> and let me do something here. Let me overlay. There's Jerusalem, red arrow. There's Antioch, red arrow. But now let me do something. This is going to be cool. I'm going to overlay the territory that Jesus covered with his feet on top of the map of the Mediterranean, the known world of this time. Watch this. This is so cool. That's it. <laughs> it's tiny. Like Jesus, I, what I'm trying to tell you here is Jesus didn't actually go that far. He even said, I'm, I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm, I'm sent to the, I'm the last prophet of the Old Testament, basically. I am sent to Israel. This is their final warning. Okay? But here's what I want you to see. This movement had a lot farther to go. And this is just the Mediterranean. The Mediterranean Sea is very small in comparison to the Pacific and the Atlantic. Why am, I, why am I drilling this home? Because we've got to have a global passion to bring the gospel as far as we possibly can. And so it starts not in Jerusalem, not where the people who know the Bible the most are. Nope, it starts here in Antioch where the newbies are, where the new believers are. This is why I love new believers in the church because they are usually the most excited about sharing Jesus with people. Sometimes a church can become like a Jerusalem church, so insider-focused, so all-about-us-focused. We need to be an all-about-them-focused church. And sometimes God has to move out of Jerusalem into Antioch and start a new movement there. Anyway, that's what happens. Verse 25, back to the text. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He goes to Tarsus and he looks for Saul. Remember Tarsus? Remember Saul? He went back to Tarsus and went back home because he was getting persecuted by the Hellenists. He had, to leave, he had to be let down out of the window through the basket. We talked about that a couple of episodes ago. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. He went to Tarsus, got Saul, brought him to Antioch, and for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Why does Barnabas do this? Because he can see the writing on the wall. He can see that God is alive here. Something's happening. I need, I need help. And so he gets somebody who's passionate for the gospel and brings them in. And I absolutely love that. I love that because Paul was perfect for this because he's going to become the apostle to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. Now, turn the page. Told you we'd get far in verse, uh, chapter 11 today. These are the last uh, scriptures we're going to talk about. Verse 27. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over the world, over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, every one of them, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers in Judea. 
living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Okay, what am I bringing this up for? Why, why did I press in into this passage? Because guess what? Uh, global tragedy is nothing new. Can we put the text back up, up full screen for a second? Look what it says. A great famine over the whole world, and this is a prophet named Agabus who stands up and says, this is what's going to happen. Global tragedy is coming, guys. What are we going to do? Guess what the disciples did in the first century? They determined what? To send relief to people who were hurting in Judea. In the, where the insider Christians were. Isn't that crazy? The new Christians in Antioch actually decide to help the insider Christians in Judea. It's beautiful, the church being the church. And they did, and they sent relief. Hey, this is why in the middle of this coronavirus crisis, we have a golden opportunity to be salt and light. This is why I want you to go to watershirts.tv, tell us how you can help. This is why I want you to tell us if you need help, so that we can do this. We can connect Christians to Christians. We can connect those with, with, what, with means to those who need means. This is the church. This is how we get the attention of the world. Because for far too long, this has been the cultural meme of the church to the outsider. Have you ever seen these people? And if you're listening, I've got this picture of people on a street corner yelling and screaming into a microphone with signs that say, hell is horrible, no warning is too strong. Another one holding a sign saying, God hates a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent, blah, 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 blah. It's right out of the Bible, Proverbs 6, 19. I know. Totally understand. That's a true scripture. Guess what? It's written to people who believe the scriptures, <laughs> not to people who, who don't. And this is the cultural meme. You know why? Because no one's paying attention to these guys. There they are screaming. There they are telling people, oh, hell, hell, hell. Watch out. Jesus is coming. Get right. Repent. And nobody cares. This is not the picture of the church that the world needs. This is not the picture of the church that helps anybody. I got another picture for you. Actually, I got three pictures. I'm proud of these pictures. These three pictures are pictures of people from our church, Waters Church here in, in Massachusetts, in Rhode Island, serving the, the needs of people at the Providence Rescue Mission. And we'll be doing this this Sunday as well, Sunday afternoon, and I plan to be there, actually. These are... Staff members and volunteers, serve team members, paid and unpaid, feeding people who need help. That is what the church is all about. That's what the church has historically done in times of crisis. Generations before us have done this, and it's our turn now. Don't panic. Bring peace. That's the episode, friends. Check us out at youtube.com slash TheDeepEndTV. Please like and subscribe. Like, click the little thumbs up below me. <laughs> click the little notification bell. Make sure you're at youtube.com slash TheDeepEndTV. We need you to subscribe there. Also, for the duration of this uh, corona thing, watershirts.tv. Say it one more time. Watershirts.tv. We will have a schedule posted of all the things that you can come, see, watch, and participate in here digitally through the internet. May God bless you. It has been my pleasure to minister to you. I will see you very soon right back here on The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Deep End. We pray it helps you grow in your faith and your walk with Christ. If you don't already have a home church, we invite you to come out to one of our campuses this weekend. 
Check us out at waterschurch.org to find a location near you and a service time that fits your schedule. Make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode of The Deep End with Tim Hatch.